listening to Revival Talk. I'm Pastor Terry Bailey, and I want to thank you for joining me today on the podcast. In today's message, Beth is sharing on the faithfulness of God and how He's faithful to us even in the midst of trials. bring out just a couple of points this morning and just talk to you out of my heart about God's faithfulness and standing and believing God when you're faced with tragedy or uh, difficult circumstances. I had them play that song for the offering because that is one song that the Lord ministered to me and it was a song that I'd heard in my childhood. It's not uh, one evening when I was at home by myself after Terry had gone on the vent, uh, I had told the Lord, I said, I, I need you to talk to me. I need you to speak to me. And that song came to me. It was just so beautifully played in my spirit and in my mind, standing somewhere in the shadows, you'll find Jesus. He's always there. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. He is a faithful God. And he's proven himself faithful. You know, we've talked many times about how we judge God faithful. And this morning I want to share with you about his faithfulness and the things that, that I learned along the way. If I picked out a scripture today, I would probably pick out Psalms 89.8. It says, O Lord God of heaven's armies, where is there anyone as mighty as you? You are entirely faithful entirely completely faithful it was after terry had come home and michaela had left that day to go back to washington dc she rented a car and she was driving we were all loading up the car we we had it packed down uh, of all the things that she needed for winter and uh, she left and we were settling down for the evening, and I went to just a, had a few dishes in the sink, and I just wanted to kind of, you know, hand wash them. So I was standing there, and all of a sudden, the Spirit of God just spoke to me. He said, I was faithful to you. I couldn't be unfaithful because faithful is who I am. Those were the most beautiful words I think I'd ever heard. You see, faithful is not what he does. It's just not... If he randomly chooses to be faithful to you or not because he likes you or because of something you've done, if faithful is who he is. You see, he cannot be unfaithful to us. Faithfulness comes out of that relationship that we have with the Lord. You see, it's because that God our Father sent Jesus Christ to die on the cross. As we sang today, he died. He was buried and he rose again. He conquered death, hell, and the grave. He conquered anything that could come to try and conquer you. As far as it can go to death, to to hell even. He conquered that. So in other words, nothing can conquer you. I think sometimes when we get in a battle, it's almost like in our natural, it's just human nature in our natural man. We want to say, well, that the enemy is even equal with God. Like it is such a battle. It is such a war going on. But the truth is there is no comparison. God has no equal. 
The enemy is not his equal. The enemy is not even close to being his equal. The only way the enemy can do anything is that he takes and usurps charge of that or he's given that or a door is open to him for some reason. He is not equal. Jesus provided the word of God for us to learn these things and to stand on the word. He guarantees us in Jeremiah 1.12 that he watches over his word to perform it. We know how we overcome. That's why when we talk about we're not survivors, we're not. A survivor just lives to tell about it. Okay, this is what happened to me, blah, blah, blah. But an overcomer can live to tell about it, but an overcomer then has authority over it. You gained your authority you didn't just live to tell. And you know what you do with your authority? You not only take it and stand, but you use it for someone else. You can stand in the gap. You can make up the hedge. You can go to war for somebody. This is authority. That's what an overcomer has. Authority. Not just a story to tell, well, that happened to me and I made it through. No. You're an overcomer because you had authority, you used your authority, and you're still proclaiming and telling about the authority that you have. That authority allows us to come boldly to the throne of grace. Psalm 34, 19 says that the righteous person faces many troubles, but the Lord comes to rescue each time. These are our promises Luke 10, 19 says, I've given you authority to tread on serpents, scorpions, over all the power of the enemy. Nothing shall by any means, nothing shall by, by any means can hurt you. Nothing. That's what it says. We know that Jesus commanded us to even go lay hands on people, heal the sick, even raise the dead. He said greater works than what he did, we can do. That's our authority. 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 5 says the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. We're not fighting in our flesh. We have authority in the supernatural realm. It's a supernatural thing that we operate in. It's a dimension that we are operating in. We pull down strongholds. We cast down arguments. Any high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. What is the knowledge of God? That's his word. He's one with his word, and that's what we know about him. The knowledge of God is what you know about God. What do we know? We know that he's faithful because he cannot be unfaithful because faithful is who he is. When we agree with God, that's when we triumph. That's when you have victory. If you are not agreeing, if you're not sure, then your faith is being compromised there somewhere. Now, that's a, a fine line because you have feelings and you have a mind, but your spirit should be totally aligned with God. And when your mind and your flesh says something else, you put a stop to that. You're going to have feelings. You're going to have every thought in the world, especially if you're in the midst of a tragic situation. Your emotions are going to be skewed. But see, your spirit... And what the knowledge of God that you have, your spirit man should control your soul. Does that make sense? Your soul is your mind, your will, your emotions. But your spirit man needs to dominate, really, all the time. But especially in a crisis. You tell yourself what the Word of God says. You tell yourself 
Okay, fear, yes. Well, those are, are some real emotions. But fear's not going to have its way. My faith says that I'm an overcomer. And my faith says that God will do this, this, and this for me. And what is this, this, and this? You go to the Word of God and you find the scriptures that apply to your situation. And that's what you stand on. And you say it and you believe it and you confess it until it lines up with the Word of God. And it's just that simple. And the more you do that, the less fear will dominate. Because you are aligning yourself with God. And that's, how, that's the practical way to allow your spirit to dominate you. 2 Corinthians 2.14 your guarantee right here. It says, now thanks be unto God who always leads us in triumph in Christ. See, it's just like we sang this morning. Everything that we are using to overcome, all of this entire concept of authority is what Christ has done for us. He's already done it. And that's why we can walk in it. That's why we can be sure. And that's why we can overcome. Listen, death and life are in the power of your tongue. It's in the power of my tongue. It is going to be what we say. We're going to have what we say. Listen, I was shocked when I was at that emergency room with Terry. I went that morning. I noticed that his breathing had changed. I took him over to, to the hospital and they wouldn't let me go in because that's the rules. And I understood that. But you see, we had just been to the doctor just a few days before that. And the doctor listened to his lungs. And he said, your lungs are clear. You've just got to heal. Now, I can't tell you the number of people that have told me that they had the similar situation or they knew somebody that had the similar situation. I knew of one person told me, said, I had COVID. I went through the whole, like, I don't know, 10 days of it or whatever, however long they were, had it. And they, they thought they were better. They went out and cut their grass because they thought, man, I'm, I'm feeling well. Went out and cut the grass, did all kinds of work around their house because they felt like, hey, they were well. And the next day, they started feeling bad again. And by the next day, they had pneumonia. It turns on you. It turns on you. And I've, I've just heard over and over of this like two and three day window that where people thought they were better, but then all of a sudden, the pneumonia hit. I don't understand that. It's strange. But nonetheless, that's the way that this disease is, is happening, or at least one way that it's happening. And so I never, <laughs> I never thought that we would have this outcome. I went back to the car. I sat there for a little while, and I, I think I started uh, texting some people for prayer. And then, long story short, contacted one of the doctors in the hospital, and they said, we had to put him on the vent. We had to do it. We had to do it. And I said, oh, okay. And they said, but there's no hospitals available. We can't continue to treat him here, but we've called 17 hospitals. There's no beds. And so I sat there, and I started praying, and I, I thought, because my niece, she works in Greenville, and I said, Lord, you could send him to Greenville. You could open up a bed and send him to Greenville. I said, she could watch over him, and she could tell me what's happening. And, but everything within me just started feeling like Anderson, Anderson, Anderson. And I said, but Lord, if, 
you want to send him to Anderson, you could send him to Anderson. I mean, we were familiar with that hospital. That's where we had our babies, and uh, we knew people that worked there too. And it, it probably wasn't 15 minutes till she called me back. She said, a bed just opened in Anderson. Uh, he's going to be on an ambulance, and we're sending him right now. And so I said, okay. So I began to drive home. I'm telling you, I I think I was in just a little bit of a shock, just to be honest with you. I couldn't believe this was happening. I couldn't believe that I was driving home. And, you know, I had COVID too, so I was still feeling kind of really bad. All I knew to do in those moments was survey the situation. And I knew that Terry was not conscious. I knew they put him on the vent and they would knock him out. And I knew that I had to stand. I knew that I had to brace up for this battle. Now, all the other battles I've ever been in in my grown life, he has solved them for me. <laughs> he solved all, he solves all my problems. <laughs> you know, that's, what, that's why you need a good husband, to solve all your problems. But this time, he couldn't solve my problem. I began to, to text people and, and tell them, look, I need some people to stand with me. I need to pray. I need some prayer. And I, I called Michaela. It was one of the hardest phone calls I've ever had to make. I said, look, I, I don't ever want to call you like this, but I said, you need to get on a plane. I said, they put your daddy on the vent. And I said, you need to come home right now. I said, I don't care how much it costs. I said, you fly into Greenville, Spartanburg, and I'm going to get Larry to pick you up. I don't even know if that moment, if I had even asked, I, I might have been saying that by faith. I could have asked him before. I just, I was like, well, Larry's going to pick him up. <laughs> I want you to know that she got on the last seat on the last plane that day for Greenville Spartanburg. I want you to know within an hour of my phone call to her, she was in an Uber going to the airport to get on that airplane. I want you to know that when she got in that Uber, in that driver, he told her, he said, my father just came off the vent and he made a full recovery. Now, if you will watch in your, God forbid you have tragedy or tragic situation, but whatever you're believing for, it doesn't have to be something horrible or bad. It can be something good that you're believing God for. Look for the token. Look for the token. God speaks to you all along the way. He's not going to leave you. He's not going to forsake you. He's going to give you hints and instructions. He's going to give you tokens all along the way to help you to build your faith. And I told her right then, I said, there's your token. What are the chances that you got in an Uber with strange people that you don't even know and their father just came off the vent and made a full recovery? I said, there's your token. Something transformed in that in her. I, I think she started operating in the gift of faith. Really, I do. Because when she came home, she stood outside my door. And she said, Mama, God spoke to me. And she said, Daddy's going to be all right. He's going to come off of the vent. God told me. And I've never seen a strength that strong. It, it was just, it ministered to me. In such a way. And she was even ministering to other people. Uh, the strength of the Lord. Just that's that gift of faith. Just began to swept in there. And it undergirded her. And she ministered to me. I, in those moments. 
I told God, I said, I surrender my emotions to you. Because that was a long night, that first night. It was so long. And I slept sitting up because I wasn't breathing as well. I thought, you know, if I'm not better in the morning, I'm going back myself, which is what I did. But all night, fear tried to come against my mind. And every time it came, I refused it. I just didn't, I refuse that. Because I do not have to have fear. This is not a good situation. I know what some of the outcomes are, but I don't have to have that. And I refused it over and over and over all night long. And then I fell asleep. I would fall asleep for just a little bit and wake up and have that battle again. I did that off and on all night. Then I got up that morning and knew I needed additional care. So I went back to the hospital myself and got different types of treatment. But I told God, I said, I need you to do what I cannot do. Because he knew my limits. He knew where I was emotionally, mentally, spiritually. He knew where I was. And I told him, I said, I need you to do what I cannot do. You know, when we're weak, what? He is strong. And it was in this minute that I needed supernatural help. I asked for courage and divine intervention. And I realized in those moments that it was time to take my authority. And I began to pray. I went home and I sat on the couch and I got my Bible out. And I I was so overwhelmed I couldn't have any type of noise or I would turn the TV on like Andy Griffith or something but I wouldn't have the volume on just so I wouldn't be alone. I finally went on to Little House after a few days but that was the only two programs I watched which I didn't hear the sound but I didn't need the sound I knew what was happening (laughs) but I had my Bible out and I I told God I said okay this is it I said I'm taking my authority And I said, I'm coming boldly to the throne. And when I tell you this, this is not about me. This is about what Jesus has done and the right, your right, my right. And I told him right there, sitting on my couch, I said, I forbid the spirit of death to even go in his room. I forbid it in Jesus' name. And I command life over him in Jesus' name. I command that whatever is done for him will be done for his best benefit in Jesus' name. That nothing that will harm him or be done that is not for his best benefit will not be done in Jesus' name. Listen to me. There's no distance in prayer. I'm not bragging on me. I'm not saying that I I did. God did this because I took him at his word and I stood on his word. This is your right. It's your right to do it. And every day, I loose life over him. Come on, loose it over yourself. Lay your hands on your chest or on your arm. or Lay your hands on yourself. Just say, I loose life over me. Do it. I loose life over me in Jesus' name. I lose health over me in Jesus' name. I lose healing over me 
in Jesus' name. I lose miracles over me in Jesus' name. I lose the mind of Christ over me in Jesus' name. You will have what you say. You will have it. So I begin just to go back to the basics. And I did what these basic things that I'm telling you because of my rights as a believer, because of what Jesus had done for me. He gave this to me. It's mine. I can use it when I need to use it. We can use it every day. You can't use it up. It doesn't expire. There's a lot of things in my closet that are expired in my pantry. I've realized that. Got to throw it out. But this doesn't expire. It's endless. You can't use it up. See, what's going to happen here is you're going to overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of your testimony. That's where it is. That's the truth of what is happening for you. You can do this for others. There's no distance in prayer. I laid hands on him in the spirit realm every day, multiple times a day. I asked the angels of God to go around him. I asked the Holy Spirit to rise up in him and pray through him. These things are available. It's supernatural. You can't figure it out. You can't explain it. God said it. Just do it. Just believe it and do it. Stand. Take your authority. It's yours. It's rightfully yours. So I began to stand. Ephesians 6, 13 says, Having done all, stand. How do we stand? Having done all. First, have you done all? We'd done all. Had done all we knew to do. This was so beyond us. So next, you stand. What does stand mean? Stand means to overcome. There you go. To work out, effect, to produce, to make an end, to vanquish. Cambridge Commentary says, to stand is to be unmoved, and listen to this, and ready for the next assault of the enemy. How many of you know he may come in the front door and you may shoo him away, but he may not give up just right away. He might try to come in the back door. You got to be ready. And when he's done with that, he just might try to come in the window. I don't know what he plans, but it doesn't matter where he comes, when he comes, or how he comes. He's defeated in Jesus' name. He's defeated in your situation in Jesus' name. He's defeated in your situation in Jesus' name. He's not over you, and he is no equal to the God that you serve. So be ready for the next assault of the enemy. Don't be surprised. Don't, don't be flustered, as we say in the South. Don't get flustered if he comes again like, well, I thought he was gone. And don't feel like, well, if I, if I say this or do that, he's just going to get mad. Listen, he's mad. He's mad. He's not going to get glad. And we don't care if he's mad. He's under our feet. That's right. Barnes' note says that the way we stand is in all kinds of prayer. Public prayer, private prayer, secret prayer, social prayer, solitary prayer, solemn prayer, and even sudden prayer. You know, you can pray all of a sudden if you need to. You pray with all parts of prayer, confession, petition, and thanksgiving. I also stood in the prayer of agreement with you, my family. I can't tell you how many of you were getting word to me through Michaela or 
some of you were texting me directly. I, I totally left off of Facebook, and I did just very little. I just did the minimum of whatever I had to do because I, I was in the battle. I knew prayer groups were going on. I knew people were reaching out. Michaela would come tell me. They're, they're praying this. They're doing that. Thank you. Thank you. The prayer of agreement is powerful. One thing we, I realized was in the middle of it, there can be no what ifs. God doesn't have what ifs. When he gives his promise, these promises, now sometimes when there's a prophetic word, it will say if my people. But when he has given these promises, He's not saying, well, you can have this promise if such and such, such and such doesn't happen. You know, well, you can be healed of COVID if you don't go on the vent. You see what I'm saying? There's no what ifs in God. When you're believing, if you've got a what if trying to come against your mind, then most likely that could be fear. Maybe not all the time. Sometimes our, we reason things out and we think about things. Not everything is the spirit of fear. Sometimes it's our natural mind. But regardless of what it is, you go back to your promises. See, the promises of God are, are yes and amen. Yes, amen means so be it. It's going to be that if we believe. I remember the night before Terry came off the vent. Michaela had, uh, we were sitting there just talking, and she called up to the hospital, as she did for me so many times, because I was, I was still so weak. The nurse said, oh, um, we're going to do a wake-up test on him to see if he can come off the vent at 5 o'clock in the morning. And so she turned and said, they're going to do a wake-up test to see if he can come off the van at 5 o'clock in the morning. I don't know. I, I heard her, but I heard he's going to come off the van at 5 o'clock in the morning. I mean, it was just like a loud sound to me. And I said, okay. Well, I know the day before they had been trying to help him and see where he was at. And he, was, he had anxiety and had problems you know, with that, with his responding to that. And they said, he has to help us to come off the vent. And I, I kind of wished it wasn't that way because I thought, well, you put it, knocked him out and put him on there, just knock him out and take him off. <laughs> Let's get him off, you know. But it doesn't work that way. And so, uh, and I'm not a medical person, so I will be quiet. <laughs> just, okay, let's go. Let's do it. Let, we'll work with it. And so I said, okay, Michaela, well, we'll get up at 5, we'll set our clock, and we'll get up. But I said, let's pray right now. So we begin to pray, and we begin to worship. And I feel the Holy Spirit right now. Because this is the way it was <laughs> when he came that night. He came that night into our little living room there. And he met with us. And the precious Holy Spirit spoke, and he said... You go to bed and rest. I neither slumber nor sleep. You go to bed and rest. And when you wake up in the morning, you will see what great thing I have done. Well, I got a hold of that, you see, because not only is the word of God written out in this precious book, not only is that his precious promises, but I tell you what, he can give you a spoken promise that is just as powerful 
and that is just as real and that is just as sure of coming to pass. He can tell you something in your spirit. But he spoke this out to us. And I looked at Michaela and I said, you, sir, you heard what the Holy Ghost said. Did you hear what the Holy Ghost said? And she said, yes, Mama. And she said, they just said they was going to do a wake-up test on him, though, to see how he would respond. I said, well, you heard? And she wasn't doubting. She, we were just going through all that the nurse had said. But she was believing with me. And I said, yes. I said, they're going to wake him up. But I said, the Holy Ghost said he's coming off of that vent. You will see what great thing I have done. I said, I believe he's coming off. I believe that's the great thing that God has done. So we set our clock and we got up at five. And we prayed. And of course, we prayed everything we could think of. And we prayed in the spirit. We, just, we prayed and prayed. And I told her, I said, well, let's, let's lay back down and just rest. And I said, because they called us every morning. I said, they'll call us. And uh, we'll find out what the update is. And so we got up. And we just roamed around a little bit. And we were getting dressed. And all of a sudden, the nurse called. And she called Michaela. And she, she said, he's off the vent. He's off the vent. You see what great thing God had done. We joined our faith with him. And I know so many of you uh, texted and let me know that you set the clock and you got up at five o'clock and you joined with us. You see that power of agreement. God honored that. Why? Because we have a relationship with him. He's our personal savior. He's the God who hears and answers prayer. And he hears you. And he will answer your prayer. You see, you don't war from a place of hoping to get the victory. See, that's in our mind. Sometimes it's in our mind that the enemy is just raging against us. And, and he's so powerful. And, and we got to get the victory. See, that's, that's just wrong. It's just wrong altogether. You see, he's not all that powerful. He's defeated. He was defeated over 2,000 years ago. He was defeated in my situation, and he's defeated in yours. He's not all that powerful. You see, you war from the place of victory. You already have the victory because of what Jesus did 2,000 years ago. You already have it. It is yours, and you war from that place. What do you mean? You know that this is rightfully yours. You know it's yours. And you line yourself up with that. You confess that it's yours. Just like we did over ourselves just now. You can confess that over Kelly this morning. We confess life over her this morning. She's healed. She's whole. She's free. This pneumonia is gone in Jesus' name. For, for Nancy and Troy this morning, we confess over them healing, health, and wholeness. It's gone from them in Jesus' name. People who are watching this morning, confess it over yourself. Confess whatever you need that lines up with the word of God is yours. Jesus bought it for you like a rose trampled on the ground. He took the fall. He thought of you. He took the fall already above all. I don't care what it is. He's above it all. In Jesus' name. Well, nonetheless, I began to take a little stock of where we were. And the Lord began to, to deal with me about 
how I was being, feeling overwhelmed with it all in my emotional state. He began to deal with me and show me that even in that, I could triumph. Even in that, I could have the strength of God. Even though my natural man was being tried, he began to show me about the three Hebrew children in that story, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. How they would not bow to Nebuchadnezzar and his whims. And he had them thrown into the fiery furnace that was heated up seven times hotter. It was so hot that it killed the guards that threw them in. They were walking around in the furnace. Nebuchadnezzar comes to see for himself. He sees three Hebrew children, but what else does he see in the fire? He sees a fourth man walking. And he said, to me, he looks like the Son of God. You see, they weren't left because Jesus will never leave you nor forsake you. He's there with you. You may be in a fiery trial. You may be in the middle of something right now, but the Lord is there with you. And if you'll lean into him, you'll surrender your emotions. You'll surrender what's known and what's unknown. I kept telling that to God because I'm not a medical person and I don't know all these terms and I'm not sure I really want to know. I kept telling God I surrender what I know, but I surrender what I don't know to you. Right there, God was right there with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Nebuchadnezzar comes and he says, come on, walk out. They walked out of their fiery trial. And when they did, their hair was not singed. Their clothes were not marked up or singed. And I'm going to tell you what else is more amazing. They didn't even smell of smoke. They didn't even smell like they had been near a fire. Now, you know as well as I do if you go to a bonfire or even if you grill out. You come away with a, a smoky smell on your clothes. They didn't even, listen, they were in a fiery furnace seven times hotter than normal. And they came out. They walked right out of their trial. And they had no sign of ever having been in their trial. This is the promise of God for you. You can come through your trial and you won't even smell like you've been in your trial. You won't even smell of smoke. It will not be detectable that you were even in a trial. This is your promise. Isaiah 43 2 proves it. It said, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, nor shall the flame scorch you. You see, no weapon formed against you can prosper. Stay away from the what ifs. What if this? What if that? What if the other? Stay away from that and just keep saying no. No weapon formed against me will prosper. I will have what God says I can have. You know, all along the way, God upheld me. There was a grace in that standing. I wasn't alone. It wasn't me against the world. It was difficult because I was alone because I still had COVID and I had to be by myself and be isolated but there was grace there and the Holy Spirit was there to undergird me and to keep me in our situation you see it all circles around 
to faithfulness. It all circles around to God's faithfulness and how is he able to be faithful with us through that relationship. It's all about that. It's the union that we have accepted him as Lord and Savior of our lives, but it's also the communion where we are in prayer, in worship, and dependence upon him. If you don't know the Lord today, then it's time to reach out and allow him to be Lord of every area of your life. Will you stand with me?